Welcome to the Musicians Insider. I'm Cronus. I'm very happy to announce that we have Steve Thompson with us today, one of the biggest producers in the world. I won't tout too many of the Grammys he's won and too many of the records he's produced, but I do have my Metallica Guns N' Roses shirt here today, which is starting to fall apart at the seams. But anyhow, <laughs> it's great to see you. Welcome to my podcast. How are you doing, Steve? Uh, a little crazy, but busy, but good to see you, Aaron. Um, I like to see that you're working. Uh, it's great to see you're working hard and got a lot of projects on the go. This has been one hell of a year. Um, so today I want to talk to you about stuff that instead of boring you with the questions that people always ask you about stuff like Metallica and Guns N' Roses, like we always, you know, everyone's heard about all that. I want to talk to you about more interesting stuff like the future of the music industry, what you think is really happening right now and, and advice for artists, for new artists. I want to help people out, give them things that, you know, where they should focus their efforts and, and why uh, someone like you could maybe help them too. Um, I'd love to hear anything you've got going on currently right now. We can talk about some other older stories that we've had in the past as well as we go. <laughs> so um, right now, what's got you excited? Well, right now, as far as your question about what new artists need to do, first of all, and probably the most important thing outside of great songs is getting a huge social media presence. Without that, you're kind of screwed because, you know, most record companies will not even look at you unless you have a huge social media presence, no matter how good your music is. And, and the problem with that is that gets artists to waste money on things like trying to get on all these Spotify playlists. But I think what I'm trying to figure out is where should they focus their efforts to help? I know it's hard to show them how to do social media, but like I think it comes greatly down to kind of having a good song still and having a product and like, are they, should they make 12 songs or should they make three? That's one of the biggest questions. Well, first of all, I'm not a fan of Spotify and all these uh, leech companies that live off the backbone of musicians and the musicians and writers get nothing and they get all the money. So I say, fuck them. And I, uh, there's a lot I of agree. bands say, Hey, we, we need the, we need the presence on these sites. And I think it's sad. And then you got YouTube. Um, I would say if you're going to do social media, get some cool videos on YouTube. I mean, that that's going to be a lot better. And hopefully uh, you make it risque enough where people will pay attention. Right. I mean, I think nowadays if somebody takes a crap on a toilet and gets 50 million views, I think companies will look up to that. It's unfortunate, but that's a sad state of affairs. So what was it that led up to them getting those views? It was something else though. Like what it's like, so it's who's crapping on the toilet. You see what I mean? It's stupid. Um, and trying to figure out well, how stupid, do people- But for some reason, outlandish stuff gets played a lot on YouTube. Unless of course you're political, then you're fucked. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> don't want to say how you really feel or you could ruin everything. Wow, interesting. So we, we've done quite a, things, um, quite a few things in the past. I remember we first met back when we were working with Patrizia in Toronto. That was a while ago, Steve. Um, I met you through Dulce. Uh, that was amazing. I appreciated that. And I enjoyed working with you guys on that. Um, well, Dulce I... is awesome. She is one of a kind and the most amazing woman ever. And I also underestimated what, like I, when I first worked with her, I didn't realize what a radio tracker and promoter, like I didn't know what they did. And I was always like, why are we not getting airplay? Well, it's because we're not giving them payola, right? We're just getting it to them and you're keeping track of things. And that took me a while to figure out. But it is really a, a hard radio. Radio is a hard thing to crack. And even in Canada, like I got Edge 102 to play our single. KLOS Los Angeles played it. Alan Cross mentioned it. But still to get them to actually add it 
it seems like there needs to be well, you have, Coca-Cola you have to or Pepsi. About, you have to understand about radio. A lot of record companies have their slots, and I'm sure there's payola involved. So for an independent artist to get on radio, it's almost impossible. Well, it that's seems like I'm it... saying, that's what I'm saying. YouTube is probably the, the best um, radio station you can get on at this point. I feel you. And make your video, and make your video say, holy shit, I, I got I to gotta check this band out. You got to make that video like amazing. I'm not saying spend thousands of dollars on a video, but make it what people will notice. And I think the first video, you really need to introduce the artist and introduce what it's all about. So people get it when they first see you, they know what you're trying to do because you really get one shot to show what you're all about at the beginning. Then you got to buy social media ads. You got to buy tons of stuff. So it's a, it's an uphill battle. And it seems like you're marketing a product that no one knows about when you first start because everyone's an artist now. So it's, it's so much different yeah. than when you get discovered. I mean, I'd love to hear a little bit about um, some of your, some of the reasons you got into music a little bit more. I, I love the stuff hearing that you were a DJ at Studio 54 and stories like that, but I'd like to hear a little bit about why you got into it. Well, that's a tough call. I was always into music. I was a shitty guitar player when I first started out. I'll be the first to admit it. Did I know I was going to get into music during high school? No, I thought I was going to be an architect. But when I got out of high school, I started working in record, record stores. So I started getting involved in that. I was uh, a, a, a guitar player, wasn't that good. Then I got a gig to start DJing in clubs, and that festered on to what I do now. Um, DJing in New York in the 70s was uh, DJs in, a, you know, in their infancy. You know, most of the DJs around the early 70s were in gay clubs. And I proposed an idea to put a DJ in this rock club that bands like Twisted Sister and all those other bands would play there. But I felt once the band got off, uh, the energy of the club dropped tremendously. So I said, hey, why don't you get a DJ booth in there? And this way the energy won't drop. I Little did I know about a month or two later, they called me and said, okay, we got a DJ booth, we'd be our DJ. And I never did it before, but I did have a good record collection. So... I learned on the job. I took the gig. And ever since that, that's how it got started. That's brilliant. I was just thinking, I was just in Ottawa for the weekend. And um, I remember we would go to Zaphod's and you'd perform there. But like, it was all about the clubs like that. They were just waiting for the bands to get off stage. The DJs can start at 11 or 12 and people can go clubbing and stuff. So the, what you're saying is kind of like the live music scene started to die out, I felt, in the last 15, 20 years where people would just want to wait till the bands were done and listen to the DJs at this point. I spent the last 10 years in LA working with EDM artists and it's a whole other electronic music scene where there's like, they have their live instruments, but there's like no bands. It's so different out there. And comparing something like EDC to like Coachella or Stagecoach or these other things is like such a different, like I'm, I'm noticing a huge divide between what I call old man rock and the young EDM crowd. And it's starting to split more and more. Do you see that or do you see it converging at all, like with the newest stuff happening? Because EDC is like 500,000 people going to listen to electronic music in, in Vegas every year. And Well, that, that, that to me, and it's been for a while that uh, the EDM DJs or the rock stars today, you can look at Carl Cox, you could look at, at, at a lot of these DJs. Tiesco has been there for a while. I don't know, I haven't heard much from Swedish House Mafia in a while. Skrillex, I haven't heard from him in a while. But I used to go to the ultra music festivals in Florida where 
you have a hundred thousand kids going nuts on amazing light shows and the electricity of the music. And I, I loved it because I felt that was part of that because we, I was probably the, one of the grandfathers of DJing, but I was very happy to see that it, you know, again, with rock bands, rock and dance music, it's totally different crowds for the most part. Well, so how do you converge it? Well, I, I already I tried doing that where to marry EDM with rock and, I, and make it uh, make it credible. Where you have to have the great dance beat. I mean, you take a, a, an old school band like. Uh, um, oh, what the hell is that German band's name? Why am I Romstein? Yeah, Romstein. You know, I kind of did that with this band in Prague where I married um, EDM with rock. And um, it really depends on your songwriting. You know, I mean, how many bands can you listen to the successful out there? Struts, uh, 21 Pilots, Ghost. I mean, what else is out there that is making somewhat of a mark that are new ones? And then you have the old classic bands that keep selling their catalog and they will sell out shows. But I, I really feel there needs to be a new wave of, if we're talking about rock, a new wave in today's generation. And you know what? I 100% agree with you. I'm kind of on that train myself. Um, for example, I look at artists like Excision, who's an EDM guy. They do a thing called Lost Lands. And Sullivan King, he's a guitar player, but he's a DJ. And they're like, they're rocking the hell out to EDM music and the crowds love it. So I'm kind of coming from the rock side, bringing it more EDM instead of coming from the EDM side and trying to bring instruments. Well, EDM now, and it's been for a bunch of years, more house-derived music, which is a little more electronic than like Old School House of Chicago in New York in the, in the 80s. You know, that seems to be the groove. Uh, I haven't seen a change. I mean... Personally, I liked EDM. It was more high energy where, uh, I mean, probably one of my favorite songs in the 90s was Ordinary World by Aurora. Uh, I believe it was a Condor mix. It was beautiful. It just had everything. Had a song, had great keyboards, great everything like that. And I always liked the lush up-tempos of music of EDM, probably around 2010 to maybe 2015. And then it derived into house music again. And I remember you were working yeah, on that. Was, you were working on Game On that track, and you were doing something with some sports stuff. Um, that was yeah, interesting. I thought it was great, but uh, unfortunately, it wasn't marketed properly. <laughs> but and it's weird. Like I wasn't sure where to go on this stuff either. But I spent three or four years literally just hanging out in EDM clubs with EDM kids, watching them do EDM stuff. <laughs> and you know, I did a lot of Burning Man and whatnot. I think once you really love the artists and the music, then it's different. If you don't know the names of any of the artists, like I had an interview with Andrew. Well, well, well let's, let's back up a second. Let's be clear here. There are some EDM songs, but when you go to an EDM show, it's all about the beat. It's all about the electricity. I don't know how many people actually know the songs that are being fed. You know, that that's a question mark. Okay. So I'm going to say, and a lot of, a lot of uh, the EDM music, the one that playing dub mixes with very few to little vocals. I find in LA though, when you go to like Space Yacht, that's the hat I got. It's a sort of like a scene. It's basically all the kids that are in uh, Icon Collective and other matrix, other schools, um, and they're they're in school for EDM stuff. And there's like a lot of stars coming out of there, like Slushy and um, I don't know Getter and all these other like just well, names. David Getter. Like not David Getter, but Getter. 
and um, okay. Datsik and uh, guys like, you know, A-Track will be at the club. People like that will be there. But I noticed that it's a whole other world. And it's not about the light show. It's about the guy with the USB stick comes in, plugs it in, and the club has its own lights. It's about the person's music and they know the tracks because they're all fans of these DJs. It's a scene. It's a real scene. Um, I don't see it in all the other cities. Like in Canada, they're still trying to figure out how to plug in the DJ gigs half the time. So unless it's, you know, coming from Dead Mouse's crew, it's never going to be produced right. But um, I do everything through Ableton. I play live guitar through a DJ setup. That was my solution. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, it's kind of weird. You know, I can't. When I was a DJ, I used four turntables, and I didn't have Ableton or Serata or any of these things where you could just press a button, beat match everything, and it mixes itself. We didn't have that advantage, and a lot of the songs we played, the tempos would always fluctuate during the song. So if you did a long overlay, you really had to stay on your, your, uh, your pitch control on your turntable to match the beat and the tempo. And that's talent. not an easy thing to do, huh? That is talent. I consider that to well, be yeah, like. Yeah, and again, it's like keeping your nowadays, guitar in tune. Nowadays, most of these DJs stay one specific BPM tempo, where before I would go from like eighty, like reggae to rap, to like a hundred and forty new wave to hundred and sixty. So they're afraid. They're afraid. Yeah, I remember when I had a a song at one forty to get down to eighty, I would shut the turntable up and go, and then hit the eighty. You know what I mean? I find ways to get it in there. My buddy Carlo would like to, to see that. I have some friends who are, are pretty good spinners. I've seen some people who do it upside down too. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> um, very cool. I've been getting a little bit into using like um, some digital DJ stuff where I like to sample like the guitar parts and whatnot. And I use a push controller, sure. but um, it's interesting to see where I it's wish going. I'll tell you the truth. When I was doing dance remixes, I wish I had that technology of today back in that day because we had to be more physical with cutting tape. And uh, if, if I would take an original production, I would basically almost have to reproduce this song, but keeping a lot of the original instruments of the original song and, and, and kind of punch in beats. It's not like you can just take one bar and, and pro tool. We had no pro tools. So you had to basically stick to the song. And I think our sampler was an emulator at the time. <laughs> you know a keyboard so it was very time consuming in editing but now it's so easy and you know most of the time when people do remixes they'll get an acapella song and just reproduce the whole song underneath it and i was thinking it's nice to have like a really well-produced cup like like muse for example they came out a while back but i think like if someone just comes out like a band like that where they just do their own thing and it's incredible that'll work you just have to have a lot of money and an effort behind it <laughs> But I love seeing those artists that are really um, artistic with their vocals and, and really passionate about the songs and the material will go. It doesn't have to be a specific style. And I don't know, I think using the, the new keyboard tools and things like that, as long as you're not just pulling samples out of stocks, like I think it's the DJs that just pull stuff and reproduce it and they're not actually creating their own sounds that it can get very, it sounds like a wash. You know, well, and again, just... I go back to BPMs. You know, usually when you're doing a dance mix, it's four on the floor. So, what is the BPM of the day? 132, 128, 136. Whenever you determine that, that's how you keep your 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 your, your foundation. And then there's this because of the 120 heartbeat. Everyone wants to keep it around the heartbeat. You know, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, every BPM is its own genre, it seems. But I just honestly, I just like the idea of letting the drummer change as the evolution of music changes with beats, but I'm still an alternative rock guitar player singing my same stuff. And it, it still is the same, but it, it, it evolves into the 2020s when you add the, the rhythm background and have a different kind of percussion going on. It was very interesting meeting with Andrew, my, my old drummer in Ottawa, talking about the drums and the, the, the gear and all the stuff. And he's a real pro. But you can see, like, as you get older, time goes on, like, if you're not following the new stuff, you can kind of fade into the dinosaur past of all this gear, all this stuff, but not learning about, well, why does it sound like shit when they compress it? And can we add drums to the electronic drums properly and actually EQ it with a real producer and make it sound radio playable without having to be all so smushed? And I think watching, like, the old rock guys, like my buddy Jay Rustin, he's been working with uh, Mr. Bungle, and it sounds incredible but I see him just hating all this new technology coming in. I don't know. I'm just watching his posts about things like what are these new drum sounds? Why are they so, so bad? Or why are the, why is everything so electronically not done the way it used to be, but you got to have the headroom. Well, for the I mean, drums. First of all, you know, as far as sound quality, I think the worst thing that happened with music is over compression. Cause once you, once you add a lot of, you know, a lot of times when you record somebody, you record compression, you mix with compression, you master with compression, and God knows what the radio does with compression. So it's over compressed. As far as um, instrumentation goes, you know, it's how you record it. You know, every genre has a way of doing it. You know, with EDM music, you know, you basically have a laptop, and sometimes you don't even need keyboards. You can get everything programmed on your laptop. You know, um, you can it, play keyboard on the laptop. Huh? You can play on the keys. I've seen a lot of those guys like those. Exactly. Oh man. Exactly. But you know, I still have real keyboards at home. I have a uh, Motif Eight, which yeah. is weighted keys. I have a Trident. Yep. I have uh, a Hammond C3. Oh wow. I have a um, Barthesa Compact Two as well. I had a DX7 and I finally sold it to a friend of mine who was a real okay, enthusiast. I always hated the DX7. Even when they're out, I always told them to be cheesy. I used it as a MIDI controller, so I got rid of it. But it was so cool to have it. <laughs> okay. That's great. Um, any artists you're looking at lately that you like? Anything coming out that you've been listening to? Well, I got four artists I'm looking at. I don't want to mention until it's uh, in fruition. Um, in the meantime, I've been oh, writing cool. my book and doing another movie. And... and uh I'm top of that. I'm doing home improvement here. So as we speak, I have people putting in a new driveway and they're making a hell of a lot of noise out there. So you're getting back to your architectural roots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I see that. Um, well, that's great. Um, you know, I just kind of wanted to catch up. It's been a while since we've talked about anything or done anything. I remember you said to me, I, I asked you, what should I do? And your advice to me was go and be James Hetfield. I don't remember if you remember that. So I went and did a record. And we're going to go and tour it now. And hopefully soon uh, you'll see me out there. I'd love to see you at a show sometime. But uh, uh, any any other advice for new artists? Like, I, it's so hard to get past that first step. I just, I want to give them something juicy here. Like well, a again, there's so much out there. And again, I always think that the best way to do it is shock value. Okay, no matter how good your music is, show a video of shock value. I, I think that's the best way to get known because, you know, you're dealing with a lot of competition. And if you don't have a record company behind you, you better have a good social media team behind you to really promote 
and all social media aspects. I mean, that's the way it is today. Very Don't cool. rely on a record company to make you nut. So your website is stevethompsonproductions.com. I'll put that up here. Are you accepting people who may want to work with you or if there's a, a, a manager or a label looking to work with the Steve Thompson? Are you, are you available for work or people uh, can they yes, reach out? Yes, but I'm very picky what I work on and I don't work for free and I don't work on back end, you know? And so I if you have a manager, all you have to do, there is a form on my website you can fill out and that will be sent to my manager. And if someone's going to come to work for you, how far along the process do you think they need to be first? Oh, I can hear from a, a shitty demo. I, I know where a song can go, you know? All right. So there you go, kids. If you got an album or a demo or something, you want to send it to Steve and his site, maybe you get a chance to work with one of the seven-time Grammy winners. Um, I'm going to keep it short today. It's great to catch up with you. Just wanted to see how you've been. I know we haven't talked in a while, but just online and whatnot. So uh, we'll keep things in uh Check if you got something coming out, you want me to know about it, you're welcome to come back on here. Other than that, um, it's great to have you on. It's always nice to have someone of your caliber joining the podcast. And, uh, you know, thanks for being on the Musicians Insider. Get your house fixed and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Steve Thompson, everyone, thanks for being on My today. My pleasure, Aaron. Everyone, have a great day. Wonderful. Take care, brother.